fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. I don't have any words to describe it. I think Milano's was a penalty shot there in that game. I'm not answering that question. It has nothing to do with the outcome of the game. Disappointed by the total amount of shots on goal, not to be able to generate more than Just thrilled with him. That's a great question, too. Did you think that was to carry over into a game like this? I don't this? have any words to describe it. I don't know what to tell you guys. I, I hope you ask them the questions. You got enough information from them? You don't need me. I hope they answered you honestly. They said they, they were outworked. First two periods, especially. We good? All right. Thank you. You know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks. He's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out. Getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep. Pucks in deep. Puck deep. Pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. John Tortorella, let's go. Always a great, great interview. Always, like, just king of the sound bites. Unbelievable. Those poor beat writers. <laughs> okay, so I was thinking... That's a great question. Just the most condescending tone to his voice. We said that's that's a real great question. Great question, there. bud. Great question. I'm gonna start doing that to you. <laughs> that's a great question, Josh. Um, how excited or nervous are you to be that following guy who asks him a, a question? Well, right you could hear it in his voice. I know he was like, "Oh well, uh, 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 um, the, um, uh, uh, Mr. Tortorella." <laughs> You can tell when he's not having it. And obviously, they're, what, one win in their last six? One win in their last six. So that's that's the sound of not just a, any coach who's going through a, a streak like that, but John Tortorella. It's very different. I know he gets a lot of flack from some of the media members and whatnot that say, okay, you know, it's, it is, it is a requirement of the coaches to be presentable and be available to the media. It doesn't always happen, which I think they can agree with is some circumstances allow for that but Tortorella just likes to be there to fulfill his requirement say nothing and leave as as a point of principle I don't want to be here you guys don't even want to be here but we both have to be so here we go what kind of stupid questions do you have for me today and uh, I, I heard on the radio today and I totally agree I feel like by doing what he does it actually creates a story that we lead off with on the Pucks in Deep podcast, episode 49, Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko. So yeah, it becomes a story just because of the fact that he says nothing. Here we are. He's really good at that too because a lot of people believe that some of the stuff that Torts manufactures is is designed to distract from a bad game or a bad game for the goaltender or something like that so that you're giving the media something to chew on so the the lead of the headline is not Columbus loses five straight. Right. It's Tortorella, Tortorella tells media to go fuck themselves or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> okay. I see what you're saying. I, I think that's a good point. But I, I do, while I appreciate your point, I think we can go and ahead and assume that he is fucking pissed. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like yeah. I know what you mean. He's like, you know, I'm pretty pissed off about this and I'm going to just do my Tortorella thing and, and and take the heat off my guys. Yeah. But even though sometimes it's actually, no, it's really not often where he's actually bitching out his own guys. Eh? Like it's always, it's always towards the fucking media. It's always yeah. towards the media. And he, 
I like it because he's being real about it because a lot of coaches will go out there and try and say the right things, kind of similar to what it was like with Babcock before the Leafs turfed him. Was, yeah, the good pro oh, saying, bullshit. Yeah, saying the right things. Well, we just got to keep digging, work right, hard dude. every day. So instead of Tortorella doing that, he's like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. Like, I am as confused as you are by this. And sometimes you hear that that defeated, um, the defeatedness, I guess, in a coach's voice. And sometimes it makes it very obvious that perhaps the end is near for such a coach. Now, I'm not saying that about Tortorella, but you just get my point about uh, where I've seen this in the past. Anyway. Yeah, well, I, but I mean, he's known for this kind of thing too. You can tell when he, he's obviously in no mood to do it, and I just I I love the way he deals with it because he he meets his obligations while giving us a bit of entertainment. Yeah, and I mean, I think you can. I think it's fair to start the conversation about uh, you know him not being employed by the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, any longer. Um, I, I saw all kinds of uh, comments on Twitter that were of that like, you know. Get him out of here. Stick sick of his shtick. Uh, Tortorella's window has has closed, and it's kind of like, well, well yeah, the team's window's closed, so it's not yeah, just about him. No, true, true. But we do all know that uh, Tortorella is a bit of a window guy, right? Like he kind of comes in, and if it doesn't work out, then you're still going to get sick of him. Even if it does work out, you're probably still going to get sick of him, anyways. I think that coaching style might might also wear on guys over time. I mean, most guys say they love him, like they. They have nothing but positive things to say about him. Guys who played from the Olympics or in the NHL. Right. But I would imagine, especially in a losing environment, that maybe the abrasiveness doesn't always make for the best work environment. But I don't know enough to say that. And um, I guess it's a good segue into some more coach talk if you want to hammer that out right now. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, we thing- lost two more casualties <laughs> since last episode. Who are they? Uh, Jim Montgomery in Dallas was hired specifically. I love the way they specified in their release um, for hockey-related reasons. Yeah, right. You got to define that now. Or was that? Or was that DeBoer's? Sorry, when DeBoer no, got no, no, fired. No, no, no. Yeah, Montgomery. Is Montgomery was conduct. it was unprofessional conduct, yeah. right? But did not elaborate on unprof- unprofessional conduct. Yeah, no but details. Then Pete DeBoer got fired from San Jose the other day, and they specified in the release due to hockey-related reasons. I guess, given the nature of a lot of the fire, recent firings of coaches, they didn't want anybody clamoring at their door being like, what did he do? Who did he kick? Yeah, well, well the thing is, is like as much as people want to not make light of the situation, but I'm sure you've heard it all over town, everywhere you go, let's go. There's the majority of the people, I would say, are really taking that that stance where they're kind of downplaying what's going on overall by saying, oh, well, you know... You, you can't even call a guy a bitch anymore or you'll be fired because he won't go in the corner or whatever. It's not about that. Like when things have when things have occurred, let's go, the things that have occurred that have gotten these guys fired are a hell of a lot more than just berating you. Right. For being a pussy ass bitch. Right. And not Which going I don't think corner. I've heard any player come out and say you're like coach called me a bitch and yeah. like no no it's, it's bad it's, it's worse than that it's bad and it's and be this going is on. just the stuff that we get to hear about i know so you can imagine the kind of shit that's gone on with some of these guys coach over 30 year periods right yeah but we should clarify we don't know what jim montgomery did all it said was unprofessional conduct um i guess good on the stars about getting ahead of this and be like we just got to get rid of him 
especially given what's going on. If this leaks that we didn't do anything, then we're in shit, so on and so forth. And especially because I know that the NHL, um, after their most recent Board of Governors meetings, are also clamping down on the teams for this. Um, I don't know if you heard Batman talking in his press conference, but the, one of the notable things he said was, we don't like surprises. Right. Like major, like most major sports and big businesses, of course they don't like surprises. Yeah, yeah. So what they don't like to find out is, yes, this happened, but oh, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy knew about it and did nothing, especially when it's something as major as, as racism or physical abuse. Um, you know, there's certain things you can deal with internally and, 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 and it's fine. Smooth it over as an organization. That's fine. If you decide to fire one, someone you do, you don't. And you, we might not even find out why in the, as we see right now in the case of Montgomery. I want to know what he did. Oh, I'm super curious just because like all the stories that have been going on lately. What do you think it is? Oh, I'm not going to, who knows? I now, think he sent a now, dick pic to somebody. What? You think? <laughs> that's my guess. <laughs> Dick pic to say unsolicited, no to like a, a staff or a team or something, <laughs> some fucking intern bitty, fucking popcorn lady on section two hundred eight. Yeah, he's eyeing her up at the game all the time. I don't know, man, but no. Hey, this not our fault. People are like, oh, these guys shouldn't be joking about this. It's terrible. Did well, I just, we got to speculate. Did I just miss something too? When I read Thirty One Thoughts, when uh, Elliot Friedman was talking about this, that he had said something about having fun away from the rink. Oh, did you did you catch that? No, I didn't. Read it was very that. cryptic. You know, Elliot does that sometimes where yeah. he writes stuff in there that's like not directly saying this, but might have heard some things about this, but just yeah. kind of tucks it in. He would said something about um, having fun away from the rink, and I it was so weird the way he wrote it. And I'd like you know I probably should look it up and review it now. Um, if you're listening, maybe take a look at it once again where he talks about it. Uh, but he, he downplayed it, though. He's like, I'd heard, uh, he said something about that going, hap, um, what happens away from the rank off the ice with this guy, whether he likes to party or whatever he was alluding to. Sure. But, he's, but he also said, but I heard it wasn't that, or not related to that. Yeah. But yeah. he still fit that in there. Yeah, so he's kind of like churning the rumor mill just right. like a little, a little bit. bit. A like, little bit. Like, this guy likes to have fun, Right. So it'll come out. Which one of us doesn't, right? We'll find out what it was. Now, I guess there was some more news, um, obviously, on the coaching front with Pete DeBoer uh, getting fired by the Sharks. Uh, Talk about a guy who, you know, was undeniably successful with that franchise. Uh, Been a pretty successful coach for a long time. So he's definitely someone I see getting picked up. Uh, maybe even before the end of the year at the way the coaches are going. Yeah, well, I mean, there's going to be a few uh, opportunities for some former coaches. Obviously, just, you know, cycling back to what we just spoke about, teams now have to determine, or excuse me, declare uh, the reasoning for the coach being fired. And people are laughing about that now. But the reason is because they have to. Like uh, years and years ago, it, when a coach was fired, it was because the team sucked. That was it. There was never any other underlying reason why we fired him. Maybe there was. Maybe there was. Like maybe they were like, oh, well, he kind of did this, and we don't like that. But we never knew about that. And we would never say anything. No, we would have no idea. That would be a stay in the room type shit. Yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, we fired him. And I mean, often I think in these situations where the coach did do something bad, or he's you know at the players' throats and they're hating each other, often it's reflected in poor play on the ice. So. I think it's always easy to be like, yeah, it's performance. Yeah, it's why it's why the coaches become the fall guys anyway. Because when it is just related to hockey and results, and you're, when you're not seeing them, you end up firing the coach. Statistics would show you that the results do come, even if 
a short burst right away. Not an immediate win, but you know, you do respectable. You you usually fire the coach because you've lost an extended amount of games or nine of your last fucking ten and you're sick of it. Uh, and then you you don't go nine of your last of your last ten the next group. You know, you, you probably win at least five out of ten of those and they call that improvement because it is. Um, you know, I know it's only been one game, but we're not seeing any we didn't see much improvement from the Sharks uh, following their, their firing of uh, Pete DeBoer. Uh, Bob Bubner takes over as head coach and they get dusted up by the Rangers. Jones gives up another five spot. Um, what did I put in the prep last go? They've given up a ridiculous amount of goals. Yeah. It seems that, um, 29 goals in their last six losses, all consecutive. And they only scored 10. That's crazy. And for a team that's usually well known for offense and kind of stingy defense, um, they might've, underestimated some of the guys they've given up you know most notably we'll say Pavelski in the offseason but it seems that you know maybe time's caught up with Brent Burns a little bit um you know Brent Burns you mean zero points in the last two weeks Brent Burns and was he dash 20 or something right now 17 shots on goal I don't know 17 shots on goal he usually um, would have fucking 37 shots on goal in two goddamn. when that guy's not playing 30 minutes a game and playing like the absolute beast that he typically has been I mean that's a huge change to your team and if you're not getting um as much out of your defense as you expected that means more rubbers going at Martin Jones we all know that he's a well below average NHL goaltender and probably the worst starter in the NHL Brendan Dillon has one goal and three apples in the same time span as as what I just said, two weeks. Brendan Dillon. Brendan who? Has yeah. one goal and three apples. And, and, he, and he averages four minutes less a game than Brent Burns. And mm-hmm. Burns has zero points. How does Burns not even have a secondary assist? Oh, I know why. Because the Sharks have only scored, scored 10 goals in their last six games. Yeah, we're talking about a team that was... Always consistently an offensive juggernaut has not really produced much offense at all this season and obviously struggling in their own end and keeping pucks out of their net. Um, Now in saying that, if I'm running the Sharks, you know, I know Doug Wilson's been there forever and, you know, he's considered probably one of the elite GMs in the NHL. But you better hope that this ship gets turned around, if not this year, at least next season, because you're locked in to a lot of old guys for a lot of a uh, lot of money. Yeah, I think the majority of your talk- cap. We've talked about this before. Is locked into older yeah. players, guys who are at least 28 plus, and they're all long term deals, and they're all a lot of money. So you better hope you figure it out. I think we talked about that at length in the season preview show, and it was if I'm if I recall correctly. You can turn back the clock and have a listen and see if I'm lying right now or not. But I think it was along the lines of it's kind of like now or never for the Sharks because they were so committed. And I think they were one of those teams, let's go, where as I was digging up all my stats for the season preview show, one of them was looking at how far into the future were they committed for how many dollars. Right. And it was there are a few teams in this league that are really committed to some guys that are going to be on the wrong side of like, you know, of 30. No, but way over 30. Yeah, like way over. 36. Well, kind Brent of Burns thing. himself was he 33, 34? That's like, what I mean. They're already, I mean? they're, they're already. This is expected declines. And, and unfortunately, some people might choose to ignore that. But 
Anyway, enough on the sharks. They suck, so that's unfortunate. Look at you, uh, fucking right down to business. Yeah, man. yeah, like, man. We got we got a lot of stuff like, to cover. Right here. down to fucking business. Not I'm even back, baby. Not. I was just gonna say, like, not even a fucking breath of of the Bahamas here. Like, did you have a terrible time? You don't want to talk about it? Or something? I had a wonderful time, my friend. <laughs> it was it was fucking gorgeous down there. The people are wonderful. The resort is fantastic. How many beers deep were you when you called in? You know what? Not as many as I would have liked to been. Because you really talked it up like I was going to be a little sauced up. I, well, I had one tweet. Yeah, you, you teed it up like I was going to be all liquored. All liquored and up. And see, most days at that time, I, I and we had decided to, because this place wasn't too bumping at night. We're like, okay, well, let's... let's put our stock into you know getting a good day buzz on here having some fun when it's nice out and pool bar and all that and uh, that was the day i went golfing so i played 18 holes and whereas normally golfing you're like well of course you got hammered well i didn't because it's my first time golfing in three years okay and i'm golfing with this this american chum that i made down there so i'm like i want to be half decent even though i am terrible right and the other part was there's no fucking uh service on that course like there's no cart girl there's no bar so like they oh. no they set us up with a little cooler and we like put uh, a couple of like stiff rum drinks in the Eddies. Yeah, but so, they should have had a half naked girl driving the cart. Around. Right, right. So that's why I was like, "Where's the fucking cart girl?" And like we had a couple beers in the cooler because there's a little cooler like mounted onto the uh, the cart. Okay. But anyways, uh, the funny thing about my golf game is like you know pretty bad off the start. You know, duffing a lot of drives off the tees and shit like that. And then once I got going, I was like, we both kind of settled in playing playing decent. And I'm like, you know, it's probably because the rum kicked in, you know, with that, that early morning rum drink. Liquid courage. And then we had like, I think we only had a beer each though after that. And then as the game wore on, we, you know, we got worse and we're like fucking rum ran out, ran out. And there's nowhere to get booze on the, the course. Done. <laughs> we we seriously considered like diverting because the 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 course like runs around the resort. So it would have been easy to literally drive this golf cart up to the resort and go get a round of drinks and then go back on the course. Oh man, that would be unreal. Should have done that. Yeah, so yeah, no but by the time I called you, I had maybe uh, a, a couple drinks poolside when I got back from the course. And then that's all the time I had really. You were pretty pumped when Julio came up with your duel. His name was uh, Anfroy and he was my butler. Oh, okay. <laughs> Same One of my two butlers. <laughs> Unbelievable. I know. I thought it was your actual bud, like that you were there with or that you knew down there or met, sorry, down there and, Cause you were like, yeah, what a fucking beauty. <laughs> I found my jewel. And I remember just being like, Oh good Lord. Here we go. Live look at let's go. fucking Bahama vacation. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was unreal though. Like, uh, my sister got engaged down there. So that was pretty fucking cool. Oh, right. On. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations, Laura and William. Uh, that's a big, big day for them. Congrats so guys. Got, you know, a bunch nice. of nice pictures down there and a lot of beach time. Ripped it up a little bit at night. As usual. As usual. But like, fuck, you come out of the pub at 12 at night there and that place is a ghost town. Like it's a, like a, it's a sandals, man. It's like a retirement community. Yeah. Okay. There. So like there was, there was enough young people around to kind of hang out with and, and, and get to know and stuff. But the majority of the crowd there is like retired 60 plus. It was, it was fun though. Um, it was fun to bring you in. I, I, I like that I was able to see, you know, what you were dealing with the last time when I was out and you called me in from Mexico. Yep. And it was it was it was good cuz I had you on immediately 
and then I had Jake on immediately and then outro. The only thing I did alone was the outro and the outro was even awkward as fuck anyway because I'm just sitting in the room by myself. Oh, well, I'll guess I'll just wrap it up then. Well, you know? see you later. <laughs> see you, big gulps, eh? <laughs> see you later. But uh, no, I thought it was good. I listened back to the the you know interview I had with Jake there. Um, obviously, I'm assuming you had a chance to consume that as well. It was no. Fan- what? No. You haven't listened to I was Jake? on vacation. Oh, my God. Well, you haven't been on vacation for the last couple of days. Well, Plus, I'm what are you doing? You busy. got flights to take with earphones. You got drives. You're driving in your vehicle. You can't even throw in the Pucks and D podcast. No, I have Goddamn a couple, host. couple other priorities there. But I'll, I'll certainly catch up on it. And I listen to Jake on Sirius XM NHL radio. So I know he's a beauty. And I'm oh, sure right. He, fine. Listen to but, Jake. But at, tell me about how good it was on our show. No, you fucking go listen to it. I'm not going <laughs> to okay. tell you a goddamn thing about okay. it. Okay. Fans know. Fans had a good time to listen to Jake, I'm I'm sure. Uh, what pumped me up the most about it, as I'm sure you'll agree, at the end, he's, he's like, he's making dinner during it, eh? Like, you can kind of hear in the background, kind of making din, din a little bit. And then he's, uh, I'm saying goodbye, and he's just like, yeah, man, can't wait to come back on. So, beauty. We got Jake locked in. That's a couple esteemed members of the media, Sirius XM radio hosts, Tyler Mataraz and Jake Hahn, two buttes that like to be uh, returning friends of the program. Oh, and speaking of returning friends of the program, trying to tee it up here with Mark. Yes. Thinking about next week. Mr. World Juniors. Mr. World Juniors. Very good. So we're going to do Mark uh, with World Juniors, hopefully next week. And, you know, you and I talked about it just just before we came on tonight. We were saying, well, do we want to do it like try and get him right during the World Juniors? Might be tough scheduling wise, or do we want to bring him in for a preview? I like the idea of a preview because of what you said. Get people on board with who is who. Like, yeah. who should you be paying attention to? Because that's the biggest problem I have with watching it is, you know, I follow it a little bit, but most of the time, I don't know. I might have heard of one or two of the players coming in, the big names, the guys who are highly touted to go maybe top five in the draft. Um, so the first couple games, you always watch the tournament. You're like kind of getting a feel for the team. Okay, who's the guys here? Who's clutch? Who's stepping up? Who's making a name for themselves? Because there's always guys that aren't on anyone's radar, really, that make the names for themselves. Yeah. But the crazy thing is Team Canada plays Boxing Day, 1 p.m. Eastern, against the U.S. Amazing. So it's great and all, but I really like the buildup to the old New Year's Eve matchup with Canada in the U.S. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. But hey, if like basically when... When the NHL season starts, I usually hope that the Leafs don't play because then I get to be excited two times. Once for NHL opening season, I've been waiting forever. And then the next one is Leafs opening game, which is equally as exciting. But with the World Juniors now, if you put both of those together, I'm fucking right, Jack. Because yes, it's the beginning of the World Juniors. I'm really, really, really excited. However, if you don't give me... A platinum level game, I don't know if I'm going to skip right. my holiday like festivities. If the first game was against Latvia, you'd probably nope. be like, ah, maybe. I'm going maybe for the not. skate yeah. or whatever. If the, you're you know? around, you'd watch it, but you wouldn't go out of your way or something. There it Whereas is. Whereas Canada, US, you're like, I'm fucking parking it, 1 p.m. Yeah. I'm on it. Hey. And a bunch of people are probably doing the same thing. Everyone wants to watch. That's what I said to Kirsty earlier. Everyone cheers for the same team. Yeah. It's so exciting. The whole country gets around the team. It's very it's the most wonderful time of the year. We'll use that music again this year because you have to. 
Yeah, it'll be good. We'll tee it up for the for the listeners next week. Uh, uh, Mark will be back on the show to give you a lowdown on some players to watch uh, for various teams. I think we'll probably touch on some of the Leaf players, if any, are going to be featured in the tournament this year. Or Leaf prospects, sorry. Um, I guess sticking with the topic of international play here, but uh, Batman in his conference the other day had announced that there was going to be no World Cup in 2021. Um, I'm not sure this is uh, necessarily shocking news, given that the Olympics are occurring in what in 22, I believe, in Beijing. But is, does this put more pressure on the NHL to to legitimately work something out with the IOC to get in the Olympics? Because don't they have to do one or the other here? Well, you would think so. I mean, as far as a and you'll agree with this, as far as like a marketing uh, aspect is concerned, they're they're definitely missing out here. There's no, there's no doubt about that. However, I think it is important to note though, that it's just, it's something that doesn't necessarily win over the fans until the hockey is fantastic. And the last time they had one of these, what was the hockey? Well, it was mainly the metal rounds, right? Yeah, fine, but it was. And you might have fantastic. one or two. Yeah, oh, it was, it was incredible. Hockey. But that's what you yes. get with international play, dude. You get like a couple of games that aren't necessarily here or there, and then you know you have your your medal. But games. everyone's bringing it. Everyone's bringing it. Yeah. And the reason why it was more of a, an exciting tournament for me was because instead of having the Latvias and the Switzerlands of the world, which are like great national teams, but they're just not part of the big the big right. group. Um, you have, instead of that, you have the young guns getting together right. and stuff like that. And the Euro- European team. And the European See, I think team, the NHL yeah. did a good job of innovating there to Kopitar. eliminate that problem of the, the, the games that are not meaningless, but you know someone's going to beat up on Kazakhstan. Oh, it was a Belarus. severe lack of parity. Right. Severe. So I'm glad they tried to iron that out. Um, you know, I, I think that, they definitely have to do. They have to do one or the other, and I'm assuming based on no World Cup, unless they decide to butt up against the Olympics and do it, then uh, it, it just doesn't sound like they're going to do one. And they're actually going to try and hammer out a deal for the Olympics. Um, I'd, I'd like. I'd like to see it, obviously, as as a hockey fan and having some incredible memories watching Canada, you know, win golds, you know, going back to Salt Lake and, oh, yeah. and Vancouver and all that shit. Um, but I, I don't, I'm not sure if they're going to do it because they have to find something that makes sense on both sides, right? The business side for the NHL's perspective and the marketing side of growing the game. They need the full business case. They can't have one or the other. Yeah, And right now, the, the risk versus the reward for them has obviously been determined not to be there. So, Well, they lose a pile of money. They've, they've, got to, they've got to figure it out. And if they don't, they've got, I think they've got to do World Cup because they've got to do something. If hockey fans are missing out and it's a missed opportunity to grow the game, now I would I would I would say that the Olympics probably offers a better opportunity to grow the game, but I think the problem for the NHL is that it's not on their terms, right? They're 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 playing by the IOC's rules. Yeah, and the IOC is a corrupt trash organization, right? So I back the NHL when they don't go. I don't care that the players want to go and the fans want the players to be there. I get it. I've had great times, like you said, cheering on Team Canada. Great fucking times. One of the best nights of my life was when Crosby scored the winner. Oh, yeah. Partying on fucking Elgin Street. They shut it down. And we were drinking pints in the street. And it was fucked up. High-fiving police officers with a bottle of Canadian. (laughs) That I brought from home. I didn't even have it at the bar. (laughs) 
Like they weren't letting people in because everything was full, but they were like, listen, we're just going to shut this shit down. This full on party. And I was right in there and it was fucking awesome. So don't get me wrong, dude. I like it. Okay. I love it. But here's my hot take. You want to hear my hot take? What? I don't even want the Olympics. So you prefer World Cup is what you're saying. I like what you said before, where if they can't figure it out, then maybe they'll do a World Cup like at the same time right. as the Olympics, which would be a phenomenal idea. It would be interesting because you might steal interest in ratings away from the Winter Olympics, at oh. least from the hockey crowd. It would be, well, North America specifically. Because I'd say when the hockey's going on as a hockey fan primarily, I'm a little more into the Olympics because you hear about what else is going on and the other sports and yes. you're a little more tuned in, you're flipping on the channel and I'll do that anyway, but probably won't spend as much time on the channel if there's no hockey. Yeah, no. I mean, the last Winter Olympics is a good example. Like, I tuned in to the odd hockey game just to kind of see what it was like. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But, you know, back to my hot take here. It's not that I hate the Olympics or anything. It's just that I'm a I'm an NHL slash Leaf fan first. Okay? I'm not like a – I'm not a Team Canada fan. I'm a I'm a Leaf fan. And then when our country goes and plays other countries for gold, who the fuck do you think I cheer for? Right. Obviously Canada. Like hello, but I want to watch Leaf games and I don't like. I've always I've always it's been bittersweet for me. I'm like, yeah, Olympics, man. Fuck, I can't wait. And then the entire Olympics go on and there's like maybe maybe two games that I'm like, that was amazing. Right. I don't know if I will trade those two, two weeks of NHL for two games. a couple of like awesome hockey games. Two games, maybe. Yeah, and maybe okay. even one. But some of them are incredible. But I, I, I know they're saying. incredible. And you yeah. know what? I, I, I used agree. to be more invested in the things like the Olympics and World Juniors because the Leafs were garbage. When the Leafs sucked, I put a lot of stock and a lot of fandom into the international competitions because that's when I got to feel like a winner. Yeah, you're right. It's a <laughs> that real was the good only point. time you and, and that you and your Sens buddies and your Habs buddies could all, all together, be, yeah. all get along and not cut each other's balls off <laughs> and just have a good time watching hockey and watching winning hockey. So, like, I, I feel yeah, now that true. the. Um, now that the maybe it's because I'm older, I don't know. Now the Leafs are better anyway. I feel a little detached, just because the, you know they don't have so many prospects that are involved in the tournament as they did maybe a few four or five years ago. Right, that's a good point. And that they're they're actually half decent. So are they? You're more excited. We'll get to that later. <laughs> you're more excited about watching them play necessarily than than the international. Yeah, I I think I I kind of latch on to one point you made there and it's it's you said maybe it's cuz I'm older. And I I I think that's that's a a really strong factor for me as well. I think I was like I'm really terrible at math here like what am I in my early 20s uh 22 when Crosby scores the gold the golden goal. Like yeah, I'm 22. I'm fucking partying it up. Oh yeah. Okay. But now I'm 32. And I don't know if I'm necessarily like, you know, running downtown to Elgin to be in the street drinking pints. I'm probably just home in my house that I own, hopefully. Yeah. And, uh, Getting you know, a good night's sleep. After. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then some people are over or I'm at someone's house and then I fucking cab home later. Like, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily not running. As, not as buck wild. But hey, let's go. If the fucking Leafs 
Oh, that's a different story. When they're gold, oh, when they're gold medal, I will revert to eighteen-year-old me in terms oh, of partying. Oh my god, eighteen-year-old me with a experienced like driver's license, I can drive myself down there, park the vehicle, and fucking figure it out afterwards. There you go. Not some kid because I'd I'd probably get into a goddamn accident on my way down. Car probably gets towed because he's been in Toronto for like a month. For those of downtown. you, that, <laughs> for those of you that there. know me, they'd be like, Coleman would never make it to Toronto. He'd get into a fucking accident nah, on the way down. No, the way you drive. Those are old days. Those are the olden days. <laughs> I'm a new man. By the way, speaking of which, you haven't even said anything about my goddamn facial hair. Uh, you know, how I, have you not even said a word? I, yeah, it's funny how I let it go. This You've long. let it go. That's a time. It's time. caught my eye a few times. I'm like, I've Jesus seen you looking Christ. at it. I mean, how can you not? It's fucking. It's coming in. I, I need to get like just for yeah, men. It's like a bad like Johnny Depp attempt. I think <laughs> like it's. It looks like the type of like goatee someone grows in high school. Well, it's the first goatee I've grown in is the it? history of my yeah. life. As I'm a actually surprised you put on that much on the on the upper lip. Like it's a half me too half decent on the lip sweater. The chin's bad though. Yeah, it's you know what it is. It on looks the like chin? early pubic hair. I was just gonna say what what. Thank you, sparse. Thank you for that, by the way. But <laughs> uh, it, it's yeah, it's long, but it's not everywhere yeah it's not full whereas on the upper lip you're a little more full up it's there. it's it's full yeah. and i've been saying to kirstie i'm like this thing is filling what, what out does she think about it so the <laughs> the the deal was we i said i kind of want to just see what's gonna happen i've never in you my never life, just let it let i've it never done wow. it. Yeah. longer always than, been baby face longer right? than a week dude maybe yeah and it starts getting like a little i can see it once i can see it I, I get rid of it. I can probably see it after three to four days and then I live with it for two more days and then I lazily shave it off. So I was like, it's been over a week. Look at this, babe. Like, oh, my fucking, you know? She's like, why don't you let it go? I was like, why don't I let it go? <laughs> she actually said that. That's a great or idea. Or did she not expect you just to jump on, on the board with it? No, I don't think so. Like she was like, and so no guff yet? No, from her? Yeah. No, I, she she believes that if I trim it, it'll be actually nicer. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to keep it off your upper lip. That's when... I've grown out the occasional beard, like a semi-normal, just like kind of uh, oh, I short see. beard. I see. But it starts saying. curling over your upper lip. That shit gets irritating real I see. Quick. Okay, so that's what I'm feeling. Yeah, you got to like come across just above it and just keep it off there because it'll drive you nuts. There's some people I know who, who grow big-ass beards and they just... They let it fly fully, like no trim, nothing. And they got the big curl on going in their mouth. The only thing I've done is the sides. Right. Like I've shaved the sides religious. Well, not religiously, but I've shaved them like two or three times since I've been doing this, which I think is, I think so this what is. What kind of time? Yeah. Cause you didn't have it when I was here last. No, I mean, this, what? Three weeks. Th- th- I was just going to say it's, it's probably just approaching three weeks is what I was going to say hmm. ar- around three weeks. Wow. So, I mean, everybody seems to want to fucking goof on me. Like yeah, you. you're well, obviously, like Fucking especially when a guy bitch. doesn't have have any facial hair, just has it, like because usually those are the guys who can't grow it anyway. So it's really interesting to see how it comes in. It is. I'm. I am. That's why we're doing it. So I don't know how long it'll last. Yeah, but. you're gonna have to tweet out a, a picture of just like just this area, like <laughs> from your nose downward, because it'll look real funny. <laughs> You look All right. like you just start looking like fucking Farva. Get back mustache. to the fucking get back to the show here. That's twice now. I'm upset with you once for not bringing up my fucking facial hair. It's upsetting me. It's very noticeable, and you should be telling everybody that it looks great. And the other one is not listening to Jake's fucking interview. Yeah. Come on. Well, okay. I gave two it to strikes, you. one gave more, it. and you're fucking out of here. I gave it to you about the mustache. I'll listen to the episode. Well, with that one guy on Mike on Twitter, he's fucking telling me that we're gonna 
we'll have a falling out. We're going to break up. Yeah, we're going to break up. <laughs> we're going to break up. It starts now, Mike. He's fucking open spot on the fucking podcast. You got to drive to Pembroke every week. Yeah, though. yeah. We'll be having a tryouts there whenever, uh, whenever none, that happens. None of this remote bullshit. Yeah. Remote bullshit works when there's you and me and the third person remotely. It's, it's so much weirder with just you and the you other person. You and the other right? person is kind of strange because you're waiting for the other guy or gal to come in and be yeah. like, oh yeah, that was a great point. Ha ha ha. And there's a nice triangulation thing going on. Right. But when it's mono a mono, I feel like it, it can be a little like... A little more pressure on yeah, you too. You go, yeah, I agree. Okay. Dead air. So. <laughs> so what about these four seconds? <laughs> oh man. All right. Where are we going next here? Couple I don't know. Other headlines you wanna, a couple other headlines you want to hit here? Okay. I thought uh, I thought it was interesting that Tim Thomas was in the spotlight. It That's always is go, just because yeah. he's never he's been he invisible. He's been invisible since he like won a cup and then kind of flamed out of the NHL. Uh, it's, it's just as mysteriously as he appeared, and then he was gone. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'll look for your audio book in the future with that nice voice there. Yeah, I think that's from like Night Before Christmas or something. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, yeah. So basically, he's inducted into the hockey, U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. And you're right. He had been gone. It seemed to have fallen up the face of the earth. 45 years old. Here's the thing. He retired in 2014, right? Uh, eight seasons in the league with Boston, Florida, and Dallas. So he had he had not attended a game or watched a game on television since he retired in 2014. The first game he watched was Thursday night's game Oh wow! Or sorry, Wednesday Wednesday night's game, Washington, Boston, where they inducted them, had the ceremony, and they dropped the ceremonial face off. That was the first game he'd seen since 2014 when he retired. See, Isn't that that's, crazy? It's not that surprising because he's such an odd dude. Like I know we all figured he was just watching fucking conspiracy videos in his <laughs> fucking bunker since he retired. Uh, maybe he came out of the bunker once once Trump got elected or something, but. He's, he's an interesting cat, that's for sure. But but what's too bad is the reason why. Lester. Yeah, so we so he started talking about his struggles with concussions. Uh, there was a good piece uh, in the Athletic about him. I know, kind of profiling what he's been up to, where he's been, and uh, it's a really interesting read. That's all I'll say say about that. Easy Forest, <laughs> and that's all I've got to say about that. I thought you were going to be ripping along for a little bit. Well, it's, I don't know. I, I've kind of gone off on Timmy Thomas before, and I just, uh, especially because the part of the story is just about like struggles with concussions. I don't want to lay into the guy any further than I already have. No, true. Well, I mean, I, I just I'm going to let the listeners know what's going on basically with the guy. I mean, he he had bad concussions, so he he sustained a concussion December of 2013. Um, he was traded to Dallas after that. And basically the thing that stuck out the most to me, let's go in the article was that he was quoted as saying that he, he had a difficult time coping with life off the ice and he had difficulty in the morning, even remembering like what was the standard way to go about your fucking day. So he'd wake up and he'd be like, all right, what's going on today? Like, and then, and then start to piece it together. And he, he had to make a list of things to do, like probably mm. brush teeth, take shower, like right just, down to the basics. Yeah. And, See, I make lists all the time because I got a bad attention span and shit. Yeah, but you know how to live. Yeah. Like uh, this guy. He this guy to, played hockey for what, like 
20 some years yeah. probably uh in and out of like professional leagues like if you look at his db he's like the ultimate suitcase prior to him making the nhl yeah oh 100%. Like the most unlikely kind of story i used to say that like a couple of years ago when i was really getting into goalie and got my own equipment and stuff and people were like what are you doing playing goalie now at like 29 or whatever and i was like hey fucking timmy thomas made the made the show at 30 <laughs> you know and won a cop yeah exactly and a vesna so, I mean, he had a great career. It, it, it was obviously short, but it wasn't really short because, like you said, he played for, you know, a couple decades throughout many various leagues, finally culminating in in uh, getting to the Stanley Cup Finals and winning the ultimate trophy. So, great career for uh, Tim Thomas. And just a really another unfortunate story that you hear come out about a guy that suffered with concussions and had it affect him throughout the remainder of his life. You know, I mean, the, the game is a physical sport. It's going to happen. You you do have to understand that. There's not like you have... I mean, I'm sure there are waivers. It's part of the contract, but it's not like something that you're hoping that you don't get hurt and you do. You could very, very easily be hurt and you can... I mean, let's be honest, Lesko, you could be killed playing the game. And coming back to that uh, goaltender injury in the OHL, I mean... Or have we even talked about that yet? No, we haven't even got let's, to that Well, yet. let's get yeah. right into it. It's perfect segue. What was his name? Tucker T- Tucker Tynan? Right? Yeah, uh, ice dogs. Right? Yeah, Niagara. yeah. So go ahead. You want to you want to tee it up? Yeah. So he, he suffered like a like a severe laceration to his leg. So he got cut during the play. Um, one of those super scary, super shocking, and obviously goes pretty viral in in today's world. Uh, clips like that. Um, but apparently went to the hospital. He had successful surgery and stable condition. Um, lost an incredible amount of blood. Oh, it was um, it was it was really. It was difficult to watch. Yeah, it's terrifying too because you think about how thin the socks and everything are nowadays and how sharp the skates are. Oh. Like these guys, you have to understand, are sharpening their skates before every fucking game and sometimes in between periods. Shifts and shifts shifts even. even. They'll run off, they'll take off a skate, they'll blow an edge, they'll take off their skate and go get it sharpened up. And this is, you know, another, another just risk that you don't often consider that that takes place in the game because you are skating around on on fucking razor blades yeah absolutely it's reality and i now i always think back when i see shit like this to that fucking old clip of the goalie getting clipped in the crease and it's like it's one of the worst fucking videos out there in terms of like hockey injuries and it's just it's one of those gut-wrenching things you see. So especially, you know, it's terrifying under any circumstances, but for a young player like that, you know, we wish him all the best and yeah, hope I mean, that they, uh, things go well for him and get back on the ice. They ended up canceling the game too last Yeah, time. they canceled their games, it I guess, because it was, it was pretty – it's not just traumatic for the, uh, the guy it happened to, but, I mean, the player involved um, who's of skate unfortunately caught him, his own teammates, you know, having gone through that. So it's it's – it's really a tough episode all around the board. So we're hoping, uh, you know, we're wishing all the best to him and his teammates with the Ice Dogs. So, yeah, I mean, that it all ties together with what I was getting at with the injuries. That's why, for some reason, I felt like we had already talked about it. And I said, oh, coming back to the goaltender injury, like, y- you got to you gotta be prepared. You can't be prepared for a for a, a, a very rare, unlikely accident. It's a freak accident. I know yeah, it is, it's... but th- th- what I'm saying is, that's not going to happen to you if you work at some firm or some call center. Right. You, you don't know, think about it all the time and, and you don't realize how vulnerable you are to the uh, yeah, puck exactly. deflection. Like we always get super shocked and afraid when guys get hit in the face with pucks, you know, broken orbital bones, broken noses, all their teeth knocked out. 
it's always like shocking, but it's like there's a you know a piece of rubber getting smacked around ice with your exposed face. Out I know. There. I, it's, I, yeah, you're almost surprised that that um, these crazy injuries involving sticks, skate blades, pucks to the face, uh, or other exposed area. I mean, often you know you talk about the back of the your heels, your your ankles, um, some of those places between your pants and your shoulder pads. Right. There's a lot of exposed areas, and you're almost. I'm almost surprised that we don't see um, these kind of injuries as frequently. Oh, I, I agree. That's exactly where I was going to go. I, I can't believe that there aren't more severe injuries in the sport. I mean, the amount of times that I see Lesko, a fucking clap show, 112 kilometer an hour fucking slap shot, or I guess miles per hour. Sorry. That's actually way, way faster. But like a huge banging slap shot that, you know, ricochets just ever so slightly off of someone's shin pad, skate or stick and then goes crashing into the fucking glass about six foot, three feet high. And yeah. it caught no one. Yeah. And I just don't understand how it doesn't happen more. And then I think to myself, well, I mean, these guys are fucking pros, right? Like right. they're they're pros. They're, but no, they're blocking everything, dude. And sometimes mm-hmm. the puck just barely skips enough to make the goaltender miss it. And it goes in. So put a face right there. Yeah. How does it not happen? I you don't see get guys it. who will literally block shots with their face and dive in front of pucks like that. And, uh, I know that when I first started playing with, uh, with an open shield, like with a visor, uh, I started blocking shots differently. So I, I, I would put one hand, uh, on my stick and put it square to the ice in front of my feet and put my hand in front of my in front of my dick, basically. Obviously. And then my other hand over my mouth. Where else would you put it? Over my mouth, though. Yeah, So yeah. I take, take my glove and put it over my mouth and cover that while I was blocking a shot on the off chance, hit my own stick. Yeah. And deflect. Even if I... Don I, Cherry. Even if I had my uh, my stick with one hand and tried to like reach out and poke the puck or get in the way of the shot or pass, I had one hand over my mouth for fear of the puck bouncing up and hitting me in the face. And eventually I just went back to a cage because I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. Yeah. If I still uh, played like player, let's say in the pickup with you Tuesday nights, I would, I would be sporting a cage again. Uh, Like good. uh, It's cheap dental insurance. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just seems nonsensical to skate around without a fucking cage on when you got to work tomorrow. That's right. You know, like, and it's not often your fault. Actually, back when I did play as a skater on Tuesday night hockey, I got smashed in the face by some guy that just tried to, like, turn and do a huge fucking flippy alley-oop play through center ice. Just right, trying to be a hero. Right, right in the face. I was like, thinking when you're playing with guys too that you don't really know or the level of hockey might be mixed, you get some hack shows or the stick fly around a little more. There's a little more reckless plays. Because I find when you're playing with like good players or in, you know, it goes back to what you're saying in the NHL, you're not, they're not ripping pucks at each other's heads. They're not reckless with the sticks. Yeah. As you might see in a lower skill environment. And pick up, exactly. <laughs> it was a good example, right? Right on. Not even comparable, but. Here we go. Hey, how's your pod rye? It is delicious. Did uh, you like your mug? I did like the mug. So for those of you that are interested, there are uh, some very sexy looking Pucks in Deep podcast logo mugs. Yeah, were, they're sick. That were gifted to us. So we had to throw a nice little rye in that. Thanks, mom. Thanks, mom. Thanks, Bonnie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, 
you kind of knew about it, didn't you? I did because she asked me for the the artwork, and I was like, oh, I wonder, she, wonder, wonder what she's doing. She said Sketchy. something about like Christmas present for you. So I wasn't expected to come here today and have a nice ice cold Ryan Coke. Well, that'd be of, a pretty dick move if she mug. only got me one. Yeah, you just <laughs> rub it in my face. Hey, <laughs> like my mug. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the thing that makes me the most excited about these mugs. Is uh, she was talking to Buddy or whatever, and he was like, "Yeah, you know what? I have this thing now, so we can do fucking t-shirts or hats, all or kinds of good whatever. stuff. So get on the swag train. I think that's the next idea, bud. It's, it's in the works. So, what do you want to take on here? Did you see? Actually, I want to bring this up. Did you see Chara drop the mitts with Wilson? Oh, I had to check that out. As soon as I saw that, I was instantly clicking on. Me that. too. And yeah, good on Wilson, and interesting for Chara because not a lot of guys want to fight Chara. You know, not only is this guy tall, but he's fucking shredded. Yeah, he's like a beast. he's in the best shape of probably anyone in the NHL. He Plant based diet. More, yeah, that too. He spends more time in the gym <clears> than <throat> anyone else. <laughs> and but Tom Wilson, you gotta give him credit, man. He held his own. Like he didn't get pummeled. Man, he attacked. Yeah. Like we're not talking about just not getting pummeled. Like it seemed he, that he dictated pace often. Yeah, in it that seemed fight. like strength wise, he was able to to tussle with them. Whereas usually you see guys get manhandled by Chara and they, and they can't even get Brian McCabe. Get going. Yeah. Yeah. The old McCabe. That's my favorite. <laughs> Is he going to show up on your best lead for the last decade? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he probably does. If you know, guys... he's not, he would have been Oh eight. I think the last oh, year. Oh, right. Yeah, I was, I was digging it. into it. Yeah. Okay, last two decades. Anyway, yeah. I'm just kidding. Actually a little, uh, foreshadowing there. We're going to do a, a decade in review. Probably uh, over the Christmas break. We're going to do it. Yes. We got to get together, even if it's yeah, only an hour. We got some lists. We got some all-time lineups, World Juniors, Leafs, Team Canada, yeah. NHL-wide, best Positions. players of the decade. So we're going to have a, a bunch of takes for you guys to uh, to uh, salivate over here for the next episode. I also want to uh, do coaches and GMs. We I can think start, be cool. Yeah, we can start some debates, and yeah. you guys can let us know who you think and uh, tell us why we're, wrong, why we're wrong or why we're right. Um, we are looking forward to that. Actually... Great opportunity, let's go right now. For those of you who do listen and tweet, and there are a few of you out there, give us some of your thoughts before we do the decade in review. It'll be two episodes from now. We are going to hammer it out sometime probably between Christmas Day and New Year's Eve. That's what we'll do, let's go. Even if it's only an hour and a bit, come on over. We'll have some eggnog, a couple pints, and fucking hammer out a, a decade in review. Let us know who you think should be on the list, and maybe even something along the lines of... Uh, worst of the decade right you know like what was just like the, worst playoff collapse worst of the playoff decade. collapse what of could the decade? that be i, I can't nothing comes be. nothing comes to mind best 18 wheeler of the decade <laughs> <laughs> well is it is it the leafs in 2011 or is it the leafs in 2012 right <laughs> leafs versus leafs all right back to business what do you got uh so yeah we we're going on about fighting a little bit and i thought um now who else fought Chara? Someone else fought Chara from St. Louis the following, was it the following night? Oh, yeah. The day after? So, I don't remember. Man, you're lucky oh. if, if Chara fights once a year. Pat Maroon. Pat Maroon fought him, yeah. yeah. That big boiler on him. He figured he could match him weight-wise. And I remember one of my buddies texted me. He's, he's like, uh, imagine if Chara was a goon again. Like, if he just turned into a, a, a real goon. Like, he kind of, like, he wasn't really a goon goon, but. He used to be yeah, a meaner. He was. He used yeah, to he be was meaner. Mean. Like, he he was still, he's still right. rough. And he, I feel about. like he gets away with a lot, but yeah, because of his size. Yeah, but, but then so Doughty had those those quotes though. Yeah, I was just I gonna say I cool. love those fights, and and I want it. It's again, fuck, we're segueing the shit out of this episode, even though we're jumping all over the all prep, over the map. all over the prep. We're at the top, then we're at the bottom, but the segues have been solid. So 
You guys are in for a little treat. Like we never left, Lesko. Like we never left. But Seamless. Doughty's uh, comments were interesting to me, man. I, and I agree with them. I know Doughty likes to play the media card a lot. And he's a real big personality, yada, yada, yada. But I, I like what he says a lot of the time. He's a real hearty guy, right? Like he wears his heart on his sleeve. And he's not afraid to say what he thinks to the media. And in this case, again, totally agree with Drew Doughty. He says the league, the league needs fighting. And I don't think it needs fighting like other fans say it needs fighting. They might say it needs fighting because that's exciting or it adds another element to the game and it's why I watch. Doughty's an actual player. He's a player saying this. He says there should be fighting because it's a it's a means of patrolling the there's players. Still, there's still a belief and an argument to be made that it's that it's us you know as stupid as it sounds but it, it, there's a safety aspect to fighting in that in in the patrolling of the game now i know the nhl's obviously their solution to that has been to call the shit out of penalties and not let anybody get away with anything but that just creates more frustration it, it, it's funny how doughty has become an old school guy like yeah. i remember him coming up in what like 09 or 010 or whatever it was uh in the you know he was just made team canada made a huge impression in the olympics yeah um but yeah now now doughty is is basically considered to be old school well he kind of is and this he's, is a bit of an a, old school opinion vet. yeah got the cops yeah i it's if you want to delve into this a little more i don't know if, uh for those of you and i might have mentioned it um when I watched it last year, but check out Ice Guardians. Um, I believe I, I downloaded it from somewhere. It, it's a documentary basically on on enforcers and, and some of the guys have made a living doing this in the NHL. And it really delves actually into the statistics about concussions and hockey. And one of the most interesting statistics that they had come up with and they presented was that something like 4% of concussions were actually due to fighting. And they had lots of career fighters on there. It's like, I never got a concussion from fighting. No, and you, you wouldn't. Know what I mean? Because like, often t- it's not And it's not to often. say you won't or, yeah. or anything. I'm just saying that they made the point was, you know, you see a lot of concussions now because these guys can go run someone open ice and nobody's going to kick their ass for it. Yeah, it's true. So and Now, what I was going to say there is it's not very often where those fights would happen where a guy would absolutely have his clock cleaned. Like, and be out and probably concussed. But those are the ones now that make front page everywhere. And it's like the 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 barbarity of hockey and all this shit. And it's 2019 and can't be fighting and stuff like that. And I, I get that. And don't worry, it's on the way out, regardless of whether you think it has a place in the game or not. So I don't think you'll... I mean, I, I feel like even if you go so far as to suspend players or fine them, let's say, for fighting, like like we're talking about the, the, the most uh, strongest, you know, things to do to deter players from fighting... There's still it's still going to happen. Even even guys are still going to boil over. Yeah, in the heat of the moment. Yeah. There's no way that you can stop it. There's been fights on the fucking ODR, yeah. bro. Like since the beginning of time. Since the beginning of time. Since the beginning of the sport. Always will be. Yeah. I think I think and we're seeing the the um the effect of basically how stringent it's been uh treated in the minor leagues, you know, right down to the OHL. Um 10 years ago, the OHL was uh, an absolute shit show when it came to fighting. Now you're not seeing so many guys fighting coming up. Uh, the HL is not what it once was, the East Coast League included. Uh, so you're going to start seeing a, a reflection of that in the NHL. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing now. Just, you know, what is it? The other day, the Leafs got a Dermot got in a fight, if you can even call it that. It was our first fighting major all season. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was. And for a team that used to kind of always pride itself on being like rough and tumble and having it, you know, half the roster that could go if it, if push came to shove. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of an interesting headline, but we don't even think twice about it now. Well, I mean, I think it was important to note too, that Doughty was specifically saying that that fight, I don't even know who it was. I feel like an idiot for not knowing who fought. Someone fought someone between them and the ducks. And the reason why I don't remember is because I think it was too like no names. I think so. Anyway, Doughty says that fight was a big difference. It was a big difference maker. It sparked the team, and he said, "I believe it's a reason why we won the game." So, do you? I know I'm not. I'm not going to ask you to say. Do you think he's and, saying that just to troll people, though? Maybe that's what I was getting at with you. I was like, gonna, I, I don't. Uh, I don't want to cast out on whether or not I believe that he believes that. But do you think he purposely said that, knowing like, oh, this is going to ruffle people's feathers because there's a lot. Of, there's a big portion of of the modern hockey community will call it that's like no fighting there shouldn't be any fighting and it's so stupid and um you know they don't care about where the games come from and where it is now it's just like all fighting is is dumb yeah you know what i mean like and fighting sold the game in the states it did like how do you think how do you think they built what they have now i mean i know gretzky was good out on the west coast and everything but like as far as on the eastern seaboard and the original six and stuff like that the 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 NHL was built in the cities like Chicago and Philly, Philly and Boston, yeah. you know, and these teams were had fighters yeah. all the way through time. They had fighters. And now we've seen the actual fighter, the enforcer. He's gone. Like soon, dude, in NHL 22 and NHL 23 for Xbox and fucking PlayStation, which I probably still won't be buying because the game fucking sucks. <laughs> but my point is you won't be able to select an enforcer anymore. Yeah, it just it's won't even just, exist. It's just going to be gone. It's it's already gone in the league. There are no more enforcers. Not Those straight up, Those guys yeah. can play, dude. Yeah, and if uh, I'm going to plug another uh, kind of documentary, like our special on YouTube. If you search it up, there's a couple good ones on the Broad Street Bullies and uh, Philadelphia Flyers and, and how how they kind of, you know, yeah, it depends who you ask. They, they revolutionized the game or they made a mockery of the sport and managed to win a Stanley Cup while doing it. But anyway, very interesting about their effect on, on hockey and hockey culture and also Philadelphia itself. Well, I mean, call it what you will. If you want to say that they happened to win a cup, I'm not saying you did, but if people want to say that they happened to win a cup while making a mockery of the game, I guess. But on the other side of the fence... You have to give credit where it's due, and whatever they did worked, so it worked. So yeah, fuck we off. Say, we say in sports all the time: you do whatever it takes to win. If yeah. you're not cheating, you're not trying hard enough. Unless you're Patrick Reed, right? <laughs> By the way, like when the, when something is going on, you were on a different island. You said than the than the golf tournament. than the golf tournament. But so I you did don't know. See, you I don't... did see that guy who was who was cheating in the bunker, right? Oh yeah, Patrick. Yeah, Reed. that was that's like me in the bunker, except <laughs> I, I'm I'm like. Taking like three swings. <laughs> Yo, bro. So the the President's Cup is going on right now. Actually, currently as we speak. So I'm excited to wrap up this pod here in the next half hour or so. What do we got? Leafs coming up next? Leafs coming up next. All right. We'll do our Leafs segment and then be done. But the President's Cup is going on right now as we speak, right? And it's in uh, Australia. So it's on It's on at prime time for us. Like right through to like midnight because of the time difference, obviously, on the other side of the fucking world. And on the first tee, on the first day... There was a big group of Americans that were sitting right on the opening tee block. And when they would announce the players, Adam Lusko and Josh Coleman, because it's a team event. So when they would announce the team, 
the Americans would sing this like 15 to 20 second little song, a famous song that everyone knows, but they would swap the lyrics out for the player's name. Ah, So it was pretty funny. And I don't remember what they sang for Patrick Reed, whatever it was. But then right at the end of it, when it all got quiet, some guy yelled out from the crowd, Hey, Reed, are you going to make your caddy carry 14 clubs and a shovel? (laughs) (laughs) Which is just the greatest. And he was good about it. He kind of had a little smirk. Did anything happen? Were there any repercussions for that? Oh, he got a two-stroke penalty. He got a two-stroke penalty? Well, not in the President's Cup. Just to clarify, of course, that was the one in the Bahamas. The Hero World Challenge Tigers event. Um, Yeah, he got a two-stroke penalty and subsequently missed um, a playoff. He would have... Oh, because of it. Well, we can't say that because he got right, the strokes. But, but it, he he missed out by two strokes. He missed strokes. two strokes, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, he did. There you go. So. So, I mean, and, that, and somebody pulled up footage of him doing it before. Like several oh, yeah, times he, before yeah, he had he, done it. He's a shady fuck. Sneaky guy. He's a shady fuck. He, it, it dates right back to his college days in uh, Georgia, playing yeah. for whatever the Georgia Bulls or something like that. Uh, Bulldogs, maybe. Um, his, his teammates fucking hated this guy and it's documented it's not like me spreading rumors like it's documented look it up like his college roommates and stuff like there's there's alleged theft going on jesus yeah he, dude so he was cheating on and off the course bro he okay so i don't want to get too far into this, this is a bit of a off the rails moment here but he does not speak to his parents oh and they don't know why and they live 10 minutes from augusta national oh wow in georgia patrick reed won the masters whenever the fuck it was i can't remember don't hate on me for that i should know but i don't he won the masters and his parents were on the do not let on the premises (laughs) list no and they tried to go and they he he had like a list of like this they're not allowed here please leave because you can just i guess as a player you can be like these guys can't come here please leave wow parents and then they watched the so tournament. Has he ever answered for that? No. And the reason why I know about this, I read it on a flight. It was in a fucking magazine or I was on the, I don't know, whatever it was. I read about it on the flight. And I felt so bad because his parents, the reporter went to their house while the Masters was oh happening. And they were cheering. Come on, Patrick. Yeah, Patrick. Like watching Fucking him play. cheering for him to win the Masters. And he's not even invited. What a strange dude. So they didn't go too, too crazy into like what happened or whatever, but it's just, there's a falling out and they don't speak and it's, it's unfortunate, but it's like the guy is just unlikable. Yeah. It sounds like a complete sketchy dude. But then when he plays for the USA, he has not played well in this president's cup. So our listeners who are golfers are like, Oh yeah, Coleman, he's fucking terrible. I know he is right now, but statistically in the past, this guy brings the a plus game. To the international events. Ryder Cup. He was a fucking hero. He got uh, the nickname Captain America because of his heroics. Why haven't I heard of this guy then? Absolutely. the first time I heard of him. Absolute clutch player Hmm. uh, in the Ryder Cup. Obviously a a great PGA professional as well with a Masters victory among others. But uh, yeah, he's unlikable. But you know what, Lesko? You know who else was unlikable as fuck? Tiger Woods. No one liked Tiger. Now they do, because Tiger's friendly now. He's like, hey, I'm Tiger. It's a good story I'm going to tweet, not, and I'm going to make fun of JT because I hit it longer than him yeah, and smile but with he's my also new not, and everything. Like, Tiger used to be like, my shit don't stink, Tiger. Like, that's that's when he That's why they didn't popular. like him. Yeah, because he, 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 he was, was good, and he knew it, and he did not give a fuck. And he was like, fuck you. Yeah. 
that's how he played his game was like fuck you actually one last quick one that's what I kind of like on. about uh, Kapka that guy's energy. I like Kapka too yeah. he's a swaggy he's ass a, uh, was it last summer he's like I don't even try these tournaments <laughs> like non-major he's like I don't even try that was Do you a hockey player said that yeah. uh, regular season who gets people would lose their minds oh man it's true um, so the, the last thing there about Tiger, which I thought was hilarious, I, I saw it on Twitter yesterday. Uh, Tony Finau, a, a Nike athlete and, and self-proclaimed fanboy of Tiger Woods, young guy, like big, powerful guy, but he's young and he plays golf because of Tiger. He, he was actually paired with Woods in the final round for the masters, which means at the start of the tee, Tiger was down by two. So Finau was probably also down by two or three because they were paired together, which means they both had a chance to win the green jacket, okay? And they're playing along, and Finau says, it's the 12th hole, the only time that I had said a word to Tiger or even looked at him and got acknowledgement. And he didn't mean this in a bad way. He was just explaining the well, day. How, how he was just explaining he the day. He said, he said, the first tee, we shook hands because that's what you do, and we said, good luck, see you out there, whatever. He said, 12 holes go by. And nothing. He said there's a big delay because a couple of guys are hitting from a drop zone. So he's like, I, I figured it was kind of just social norm- normalcy to go over and say something. So he's like, I go over to Tiger and I go, hey, Tiger, how's the family? How's the kids? He goes, Tiger took like a three second pause and then looked at him and said, they're good. And then walked to the other side of the T-block. <laughs> and didn't speak a word until the 18th hole after Tiger yeah, celebrated. You don't fucking and talk to me. And he shook his hand and, and wow. hugged him and said congratulations. Like he was, everyone was happy for the guy. All these all these current players that play golf because yeah. of him, they were all happy to see him win. But what a story, eh? Like the guy's just such a zoned out guy. And that's why people didn't really like him before. Because not only was he zoned out, but he was super cocky as fuck. And he's twirling his club and walking it in and making a, almost making a mockery, but not. He's making a mockery because of how good he was. Right. You know, and, and, and just uh, dominating. Yeah, that's that's swag or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Or attitude, you know. Exactly. I, I, I don't mind a little bit of, of that, it provided you got the game to back it up. Right? Yeah. So last night I was pretty disappointed because I was, I was really excited about Leaf game going on late and the President's Cup. Tigers match with JT went right down to the 18th hole and... Justin Thomas makes like a 20-footer a beauty to win the match. Like it was so sick. I had the Leaf game on and, and then President's Cup on my fucking phone. And then the, the, the Leafs just started exploding. Dude. Jesus Christ. We're right? on Leafs now. Yeah. What in the fuck, Lesko? Why can't we stop bad things from they, happening? Yeah, like they, they really got to like stop the bleeding in these scenarios. I mean, they lost uh, what otherwise was a pretty decent hockey game for them in what? Three minutes? Again, three minutes. Lost a hockey game in three minutes. Like, holy fuck, stop the bleeding. And like, I know, I, I forget what game it was. Was it the um, was the Blues game or something that uh, uh, Keith called a timeout when there was a third period goal? Like immediately, he was just like, hey, you know, let's chill out here. Let's figure it out. And then they went on to, you know, shut him down. Well, the yeah, game. I know what you're talking about because they had started so poorly and then got scored on. Right. So it was like, holy shit. And yeah. That's kind of what I was. I know he called a timeout. I think after what the third one last night, I wasn't watching. Actually, no, it so was I, the fourth. I caught it on the radio. No, it was the fourth. Yeah, I was. I was feeling pretty good about that game until, you know, I actually just got home after after second intermission, and go inside to watch the game, 
and see what the score is and just said, oh, I'm going to bed. But like, is Keefe going to have to start calling timeouts as soon as they give up the first Shouldn't goal? Shouldn't have to. Shouldn't have to, but it, it might be a good idea. At the summer meetings, Dubis is going to have to request that they add two more timeouts. Because like, what the fuck is happening? You can't, you can't do that. I mean... We have no ability to stop the floodgate. No, it's it's weird like that. It's like a goal really gets them down. Oh, they they've got rattled. to figure out they got to figure out how to respond better because you got to understand that anytime you're going into a third period with a lead, that that team, especially a good team like Calgary, that's they're going to defending, defending a streak where they they've won five straight or whatever. Who cares who it is? They're going to come at you hard. They're pushing. They're you got to be ready for that. That's what I said to a bunch of people. Uh, they were telling me, "Oh yeah." Nice win in the Colorado game with your fucking pussy Leafs getting out skated all over the ice. Yeah, bro. Like, listen, I agree with you that they got outplayed and they probably shouldn't have and whatever. But can you not, and they can't because they're Leaf haters and most of them are not objective in any way or rational. But I'll be like, can you not understand though that when you're down by two or three goals, or I, I guess even one, whatever. But when you're really down, let's go, it, you push because you're down by three. The, the D are taking some chances here. Because you know what? If you give up another one, oh, well, now who you're cares? down by four. Yeah, who cares? Like, you were already down you by gotta three. you got to know it's, it's it's full court press, you know, to use a basketball expression in those yeah. situations. They're so, going to push you. So you gotta, you got to defend better. And we've, we've talked about this. This has kind of been a characteristic of the Leafs. And I know it's improved a little bit over the years, but there's been a couple, obviously, glaring examples from this season alone that they're not good at defending leads. Like they'll play this game where they play, you know, the whole game and the other teams end. And then they go to play this lockdown hockey, which I know Babcock always trying to get them to do. And I'm not really sure what Keefe's approach has been thus far in this situation, but they suck at defending and they suck at playing without the puck. So it's not conducive to defending leads. I think, I think you're right, but I think it goes even a little further because there's been a lot of special teams occurrences okay and what i mean by that is between both the power play and the penalty kill in the 10 games since we've had keith they've had 17 power plays and 23 pks like it's a lot yeah the differential still is a lot in their favor no no but i don't care about the differential i just mean total right total time spent on special teams Mm -hmm. in 10 games okay you got 17 power plays and 23 pks that's a lot so our, our struggles are almost exclusively at five on five. I know people will look to the five on three that we had against Calgary. You can't just look at one fucking power play and be like, oh, power play is terrible. Like you, you, you need something. And I think 10 games is at least decent. It's decent. When we were 10 games into the season, let's go. We were asking questions about New Jersey. Look where they are now. Mm-hmm. Nothing fucking changed. So that data, that data was correct. But you look at the Dallas Stars. They were horrifyingly terrible. And we wrote them off. And here they are. Okay, yeah, so are, yeah. those stats were skewed. So it's a little bit of a gray area, I understand. But we're fourth in the NHL in the last 10 games at 29.4%, 5 for 17 on the power play. That's phenomenal. It doesn't sound phenomenal when you say 5 for 17. But the percentage is obviously anything over And compared to where they were great. at. And the PK, dude, 91.3%. First in the NHL in the last 10 games. And so what we are is, getting it difference. done. We're getting it done, special teams. We can't do the job five on five, and it's really frustrating. Yeah, and, and 
you know, if you would have asked us pre-Keefe, uh, one of the number one struggles we talked about was the special teams and them losing games specifically on either the lack of production on the power play or the lack of the ability to kill off penalties. Uh, so it's nice to see that they've at least shored that up. That should keep them in more hockey games, give them more opportunities to win. But you can't you can't melt down on five on five like they have. And, uh, you know, I know there's been some experimentation on the back end. Uh, thank God Justin Hall has emerged as a, an apparent top four option. I, you know, I, if you would have asked me coming into this year, I, I would have, you know, assumed he barely made the team. But 71 healthy scratches. Now, that, that Muzzin Hall pairing is very interesting to me because there's two big guys who play pretty well physically. But I think as possibly right now our two best defensive defensemen might have to split them up because the Riley Berry uh, pairing is wonderful. It is when they have the puck without the puck, it's a, it's a problem. Yeah, it's gross. And then you got two high risk players. It seems like one of those guys is getting caught every other shift because they do both get caught a lot and they do make those fancy dangles when they're like last man back and shit like that. Especially yeah. Barry loves doing that. Yeah, it's true. And you know, uh, uh, conversely, as it relates to, to Riley, my issue that I've been having with him, especially as of late, and I would like to define as of late with the Sheldon Keefe era. I think that's a fair assessment. Right. Okay. Um, I know it's not going to happen overnight, uh, you know, changes and adjustments and the team buying in and all that stuff. I know it's going to take time, which sidebar, let's go. Isn't it kind of unfortunate that we're going through these growing pains midseason? We could have been, we could have had all this done in the fucking training camp, preseason. Let's go. Yeah, I know we expected some growing pains due to the roster turnover scenario, I think. But now we're systematically changing. Right. So now we, you know, they've already had that adjustment period, which I think is probably still going on, especially with this shifting around of the D Corps. Yeah. Anyway, back to Riley. What is really disappointing me in, in all year, but specifically in these last 10 games, I don't understand sometimes the camera is leaving the opposing team's zone let's say left to right on my tv so the opposing team is in the left the camera is going left to right as the player exits his zone morgan riley fucking shoots out of a cannon and it appears out of nowhere on my screen and then jams the brake on and gets beat and i I can't help let's go every time I see it and it happens all the time like multiple times a game. All I can think about is that is what used to happen in NHL EA Sports when you <laughs> Anytime select you challenge a player. No, no, when you select the defenseman who was skating and then as soon as you select him he goes dead he goes for dead a moment for a second, and then yeah. stops and then you 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 lose you the lose. play. Yeah. So you can't I remember thinking to myself, like back in my days when I was like a real solid fucking shell player, I would purposely never take that D man until he was already Make sure he's in fucking position. committed. Yeah. yeah. Because as soon as you take him, there's a split millisecond where he becomes yeah, dead. The, yeah. And that's what Morgan Riley does. He just like, he comes flying into the screen and then jams on the brakes and is it's skating the other way. And I'm like, I don't really understand what his thought process was there. So I think what's going on with Riley right now is a change in in uh, how he defends, especially uh, when it comes to zone entries. So Riley's problem for years and years has been he's been very passive. He backs off. He kind of lets them gain the zone, and sometimes as far as backing into the, the into the goaltender's area, into the slot area, instead of closing the gap and challenging the players. Um, somebody who's very good at it on the Leafs is Travis Dermott. Someone who was very good at it previously for the Leafs was his partner, Ron Hainsey. Yes. So 
Riley's been in a situation where he's been playing with CeCe. Now he's playing with Barry. He's not playing with that quote-unquote stay-at-home defenseman, even though his, his pairings over the years haven't been fantastic. But the one thing you could at least give Hainsey credit for was being that solid stay-at-home guy. So I think what they're trying to teach Riley right now is how to challenge, force the dump, force the turnover in the neutral zone to him. He's just not good at it. Yeah. And hopefully that comes around. And But I think that he's a little out of his comfort zone because they're saying, no, don't back up and give the blue line. Go get in this guy's face. Oh, and, I but see. it's a tough yeah. skill to, to read or to or to um, uh, take away certain angles so that you almost force the play for the, player, the puck carrier. Forcing him to cut outside or forcing him to give the cross ice. Or hitting him or something. Correct. Right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think that's fair, dude. Like it, it, he was always an offensive guy, right? So yes. there, you know, throughout junior and, and I'm assuming obviously as a young kid growing up in minor hockey, that's why you make the show is because you're so good. But yeah, now he's, he's going to have to learn. You're right. I guess it's a little bit of gap control and reading the play. Mm-hmm. That's where I think I get a little disappointed in. He's such a tenured player. He's been on this team and in this league a long time now. And as much as I will give him the benefit of the doubt for learning the new system and the new attacking zone style, because you make a good point, it has to be related to that. Yeah, because it, it, has to it, be. it is a known change that they've made under Keefe is trying to prevent zone entries. So I think that might be something they're trying to teach him. But we got to we gotta get him on board with knowing when is okay and when it's not. Right. Because, because it's not, you don't, you, you got to know... Uh, based on your positioning, whether you even have an opportunity to make that play, there is no if play. If you don't, yeah. then you're t- you could potentially get you know hanging out your partner and your yeah, goalie to dry. Like, every time I see it happen, I, I kind of think to myself like, why the fuck wouldn't he just kind of if he wants to attack him, then just ride him into the boards at the red line and make him flip it in. They'll they will all flip it in. Right. We know it. We're we're one of the few teams that don't want to do that now anymore. I'm sure there's lots of them out out there, but. Obviously, I watch every fucking Leaf game. I don't watch every goddamn game. I watch a lot of hockey, but not every game. But I really notice it now because it's my team. We just don't flip it in anymore. We go, oh, I'll hang on to this and fucking back. And back I and like it. that. Oh, I love it that's so much. Much more complimentary to their skill set. Riley can attack a guy in neutral ice and force him into the red line. Like the occurrences that I'm talking about, Lesko, are are at the opposing blue line, which is why I hate it so much. Mm-hmm. Why are you giving up their blue line? Right, and and I th- and, and forcing Mitch Marner. Or someone else to come back and, and play and play your defense. Like if that's actually what they're gonna go with, then I'm okay with it. But you can't be getting beat like a fucking rag. No, and, and Riley's been walked. getting beat a lot this year and he did a lot last year too. Um I still don't think he's hundred percent. Um I don't know if he's been still missing practices or not, but he just hasn't seemed like the same player. Uh, you know, we're talking about a guy who had 20 goals last year, and I think maybe we might have given him a bit of a pass previous seasons as well. Like I said, he did have Hainsey kind of backing him up and playing that shutdown role. And also, when you're putting up the crazy offensive numbers, you're not as focused on the times where he does get beat. Yeah, very true. Can't argue there. No, I guess not. Um, what did you think about that uh, that game against St. Louis, though? So I was actually in the airport. Saturday night in at Pearson, I landed and uh, got to jump in the pub, catch the first period, which they scored four goals. So it was oh, sweet. the bulk of the game. Got to see Benning, Bennington uh, get pulled. And I think first it was, time in his career. Like three goals on five, four or five shots, <laughs> something crazy like that. Yeah, and ch- chased him out of the net for the first time in his career. Yeah, that was something. And uh, and from what I heard, the remainder of the game, too, was it was one of the most solid games they had played all season. Yeah, it was. Um, but I, will, I won't go... 
I won't go so far as to say that uh, we dominated like the entire game. The the goals that Bennington allowed to us were the were the reason for the win. They were a bit soft, sure. and like for I, sure. I will put some blame on the Blues' defense as well because there was some two on ones. There was a shorty uh, where they coughed it up, and Engvall set up Hyman, which was a really yeah, nice was goal. Sweet. Yeah, the team did play phenomenally But if well. Zach Hyman lights you up for two, I mean... Yeah, that's kind of what I'm you saying. You probably should yeah. be getting pulled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Stone hands Hyman, coming yeah. in hot. Yeah, it was a good, solid game, man. It was, uh, you know, like Dangle said just recently, I just watched his uh, recent video there earlier today, earlier this afternoon. You know, everyone, he's so right when he says everyone's just jumping off the fucking wagon. He says, like, everyone's, you know, the sky is falling. Oh, my God, the season's over, blah, blah, blah. But you don't you don't realize that you know they're just a couple games removed from from knocking off the Stanley Cup champs. Yeah, and, and then uh, uh, having pretty, pretty handily. Yeah, and having a pretty decent game, I'd say in Vancouver to follow that up. Uh, yeah. That was that was an that was an exciting game. It was a good. game. And now I did not watch the third period, which I heard Freddie stop three breakaways, oh which is like the third? fucking unheard of. Okay, so I didn't watch. The I watched first. the first. So and it was very exciting, and I saw that nice setup from JT to Matthews. Sounds like they really came up big in that game, and, and obviously Frederick Anderson, who's been you know lights out pretty much since October. Freddie if left you, us. If you watched like the third in its entirety and were on board and everything, I don't think you would have said what you said. Right, pretty good game there. It, like I, I, I bet it was, and I, and I feel and like an idiot. I was saying I, it from like a, a exciting. Oh, it a was, hockey game. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. Would yeah. say pretty good for the Leafs just because I didn't watch the whole thing, but they got. Yeah. Oh my goodness, dude! Like Freddie, it was like one of those playoff games that you watch where you look at the highlights and it's just save after save. Some goalie matter. stealing. One. Yeah, it doesn't matter right. what you do because it was close in. until they got an empty netter or something, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely, yes. And. Freddie made like three breakaway saves. Yeah, two of them on Besser. In a row. Yeah, which is insane because you figure you'd give up at least one of those. And when I say in a row, I believe I mean like... Like shift after shift. Shi- not even no, whistles, really. same think- shift. Wow. There was at least two and I do believe it was three because I was at BP drinking pints after uh, Tuesday Night Hockey and like every time I looked up, like they had, they had the game on every TV in, in BP and they had the sound on too and it was just like... Another breakaway for the Canucks. And I'm like, holy fuck, man. What's going on here? So I don't know. Yeah. We got some work to do, boy. Still working on defending those leads. That is for sure. But uh, not Vancouver, though, man. Like, I know we we kind of chirped them and gave them a lot of shit over the years. But uh, I, I know we, we did give them some credit last week. And I'm going to give them some more credit. That is a fast up-and-coming hockey team. There is a lot of young talent up front. I'd say much like the Maple Leaf situation. And uh, they're definitely a team on the up and up, I think. Um, I tried to acquire one of the guys in my pool uh, has three Canucks on his team. And he says to me, it's Joe from hockey, Tuesday Night Hockey. Not sure if you know who it is. But uh, he's like, he goes, listen, Coley, uh, I know that like, you know, you're in the league and everything. And and, I, and it, was, it was almost cute. It was almost cute to hear someone like he was he wanted to ask me. Uh, like a pool question, but he felt bad asking me because he's a, a competitor. Right. I said, Joe, what the fuck do you want? Just tell me. I'll tell you what's up. Cause this is his first time doing like a hockey pool, you know? And he's in like ninth out of 10th place. Not doing too good. He's actually smoking me this week, though. <laughs> smoking me this week. So he says, I got three Canucks players. I said, Oh, Joe, 
That's a lot, man. Like, I mean, three caps, you know, when they're scoring all those goals or three Tampa Bay Lightning last year, that's fine, depending on who they are, I guess. But, you know, he's got Besser, Quentin Hughes, and Pedersen. Oh, okay. So that's the trifecta. Of but Canuck but players. it's still not. That's the, who you want. No, but it's still not good to have three, man. You shouldn't Probably have not. three. Probably not. Because you get shut out. That's three yeah. of your roster players that night. That not do in, a, in a in a head to head type pool. It's not that great. Oh sure, overall in the season. In the overall pool, maybe. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So anyway, he's like, I don't know what to do. I said, Joe, fucking trade one of the men. Like, it's not like you're gonna be losing the trade. I said, make sure you get a nice hockey trade and and fucking deal one of them away. I sent him four different trades rejected every single one of them and and at least one of the trades he was definitely winning but i can't remember who it was for i'm not even going to bother trying to figure it out but he was winning the trade but i remember being okay with losing that player to to get a canuck because it's a i like having late games because then my pool i go to bed and i wake up the next day and it turns out my guy got a fucking hat trick, you know, because he played at 1030. I went to bed at 11, didn't even see anything, woke up. He got a fucking hattie. I love seeing that shit. So I like having late, uh, you know, West West Coast teams on my on my team. But uh, he didn't want to have anything of it. Come on, Joe. Fucking make a trade, bud. Anyway, back to the Leafs here. Uh, I want to say that overall, I believe that the road trip's going pretty good, though. I think all things considered. Uh, kind of getting back on the horse a little bit. Uh, still, obviously, like we said, some things to figure out defensively. That's not new. We've been talking about that for a long time. It's nice to see that there's been some improvement on the special team side of things. And it's also nice to see that uh, Freddie Anderson is on top of his game because you know, we definitely need him to be in, and we need to win hockey games. I think that's why they're, they're kind of running them ragged. But there is some speculation that uh, Mr. Michael Hutchison will make his return to the net this Saturday night against the Oilers. Oddly enough, 7 p.m. start Eastern Standard Time. No fucking way. Yeah, the prime time. Ah, oh, Matthews, McDavid. No, dude, I don't care about the time. What? Hutchinson can't oh, Hutchinson. play. Hey, they, hey, Keith said he was going to play in that back-to-back a few weeks ago if, if Freddie didn't insist on playing. So, and yeah, they said they were going to they were going to offer him another opportunity. No, and no. and so the reason why no too, I thought this was even more interesting, was that they indicated that Keith actually asked the players what they thought about bringing Hutchinson back in. Oh yeah, giving him another shot. And yeah, they yeah, said we knew they, that. They thought he deserved another shot. Yeah, I think we talked about. I that I think on that's here. pretty cool. Man. I, I thought. Yeah, we did talk about that on here. I loved it. That was that was a, a point to how much of a player's, but you're thinking a player's because, coach he is. You think, you're thinking because uh, it's Edmonton that we should be starting Anderson. We need a win. We do need a win, and boy, oh boy, McDavid and Drysaitel firing on a cold backup who hasn't Bro, played in a while, whose confidence is already. Is razor thin. It if, ain't if, fucking happening. You know, there's no fucking way Hutchinson is playing Saturday. I mean, I mean, dude, we're not playing tonight. If we played tonight instead of last night against Calgary, if we played tonight, then then fine. Okay, it would then be fine. it would be surprising. He had a day off, and I think I I, I forget where I got this information. I think it was based on the Leafs' practice today. It was like you know they always speculate, oh, who's uh, off the ice first? Okay, indicative of who's going to start. Like, well, what was it, Hutch? Yeah. Oh, now I'm not too excited about it. But you figure that he could use all the work he could get. Why? Yeah, but bro, we we have games coming up that he can fucking play. And I just sent a picture. Get get our schedule up. We have games coming up. We got games coming up against the likes of Detroit and shit. Don't we have games coming up that he can play? We got the Devils. Yeah, bro, we got Rangers. That's that's difficult. But we got we got Red Wings on the 21st, which is the second half of a back to back. Okay, we play the Rangers on Friday the 20th. And then Saturday, the next day, we play the Red Wings. 
Easy call, Hutchinson. Then we play on the 23rd against Carolina. That'll be Freddie. And then we come back from Christmas break, Friday, December 27th, against New Jersey. And then another game immediately, another back-to-back against the Rangers. So play Hutchinson on the December 27th game. Did you hear Overdrive? Noodles was talking about how those games are just a real shit show anyways because guys are coming back from their two-fucking-day Christmas vacation where they got to go slam beers with their brother or, yeah, or get whatever. Blasted. Yeah. So the December 27th game, it's New Jersey. If we lose the points to New Jersey, oh my goodness, we definitely have problems. We know we have problems, whatever. But mm. all I'm saying is those points can probably be wasted, so to speak, if we have to pick and choose where we're going to lose. That's those are two good options, Detroit and New Jersey. Now, I understand giving him a chance to win, i.e. not playing him on the second half of a back-to-back for his first game back to try and you know make sure that he has a fresh club in front of him. I know this is the butt end of a road trip too, but it's it's an isolated game on a Saturday. They do have quite, you know, what is it, two games or two nights off in between. Or sorry, one night off. One night, in today. Be- in between They're today. tonight. Yes, today. Um, so I, I, I kind of get that idea. But I mean, we're talking about the fucking Oilers here. And if anybody's watched... Any fucking time of Oilers games this year, watching what McDavid and Dreisaitl are doing to people out there, they got the best power play in the NHL. Uh, you know, and, and I hate to break it to you, bro. If he starts, I'm gonna be right the fuck cheering for Leon Dreisaitl to help <laughs> to help me win my week against Joe. No, at least need all the wins they can get, man. You can't you can't afford to. Uh, it we to can't let, beat. Edmonton. Don't let it waver. Bro, we can't beat Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl with Hutchinson. Sure they can. No, you can't. Sure they can. Whatever. There's no fucking way, bro. Anything can happen. Dude, they're 1-2 in the league. In the league. Yeah, and it's not even close either. It's not even close. They're going to play 24 fucking minutes. That too. Do you think that Hutchinson can stop 24 minutes? Do we we invent a line to play against these guys, or is it just going to be JT, Marner, Hyman? I mean, I don't think you, you necessarily roll the lines because you do have to have some sort of assignment but yeah because if he gets on there against the bottom six you know he's he's gonna do whatever he wants he already does whatever he wants anyway i know right because i guess the only aspect of having Tavares play against him is Tavares can't keep up with him marner maybe Tavares can't keep up with him like i guess no one can but who can try to (laughs) who who has a chance of, of you know checking him a little bit cap possibly Speaking of which, bro, I, I we haven't even got there. I'm done on Cappy. Well, dude, they got to stop putting him on Matthew's wing. It never works. It doesn't work. It worked for like five games last year, and that was it. He's he, he is, is all the craziest skill set in the world. No hockey IQ. But no, it like he's none. He's just head down. Sometimes just blazing up and down the ice. He's got to stay, you know, carve out a, a bottom six role. I understand why why coaches see this guy and they're like, holy shit, like this guy could do stuff. But he's, every time he's been given the opportunity, he hasn't proven that he, he, he is a, a for sure top six contributor. He is the forward version of Jake Gardner. <laughs> Very skilled, has aspects of the game that are right up there with the best of them. Edge work speed if you're capping in jake's just overall smooth skating ability he was he's a great skater but he would he would pivot in the incorrect decision <laughs> or sorry in the incorrect direction oh, i saw riley and, do that the other and day i'm too. thinking to myself like 
there's just I just don't understand I understand that the game is fast but I don't understand how you make that decision Mm -hmm. how'd you make that decision Kapanen same thing Cappy so fast so skilled can put the puck into you know areas he likes to do that he likes to chip the puck into areas where he knows he can skate into because he's a fucking cheat code Mm -hmm. he gets he generates a lot but like then he, he often just makes the worst decisions. For a guy with the level of skill that he has, and and looking back on some of the goals that this guy has scored, some of he the opportunities, clutch. and yet he, and he's has some yeah some that clutch gene as we like to call it, where he you know he's got a world junior winning goal, uh, gold medal fucking goal and the double and overtime. He's got the double overtime in his rookie year for the Leafs. But the, it was all for, for the amount of times he, he gets set up by like Matthews and Nylander on the, on the doorstep and shit, for a guy that good, I can't believe how low of like a rate of conversion he has. Yeah, I agree. But see, even to go a little further than that, dude, like I'm not even that upset with the, like, like, as you say, the conversion. And I kind of relate it to Zach Hyman. Everyone was upset with Hyman being on Matthews' wing because he's a grinder. But he's it a worked. bum. But it worked. And then Matthews scored 40. And what would happen is Matthews or Connor Brown, who spent a lot of time on that line, or William Nylander, who was the other, uh, you know, fourth, I guess, that would rotate on the line. They would set Hyman up and he would flub it. And everyone would say, that's why he shouldn't be on the fucking line. And I remember I would go to bat on the fucking keyboard. But he wasn't all there to fucking long. score goals. Though. I would go to bat and I'd say, but he's I, I there. get what you're saying because I said those exact words. He's there. We watched to- him shoot. Pucks into the crest all <laughs> know, the time. I know, or into the corner. Right from the slot. But what he created for the skilled wingers was more important than his inability right. to, to finish. And with Kapanen, he also can create openings for his line mates with his speed. But I, I'm I'm absolutely done with watching Kasperi Kapanen just fire it into the high slot because he's fucking playing NHL 20. Yeah, he's just he just turn around, spin passes, pass, line passes into the slot. Skate up the wing, grab it, jam that on the brakes. That often result in turnovers. Pass it across now, the box, and it's a fucking who turnover. You, who are you plugging for in the absence of Andreas Janssen? Who do we like to see there? Because I'm I'm think I'm leaning Mikheyev. Oh, Mikheyev was fantastic last night. Like he's, I heard he was really good last night, and he'd been. A, I think he has scored in like what it's like 17 18 games he's been a little bit quiet i know he's been up and down the lineup he played some time with jt uh before hyman came back and then he was back down the bottom six but man with that guy's skating ability the grit on him and obviously the skill set on him why not give him a shot there were two times in the calgary game where it was absolutely evident that the puck needeth to go to mckayev it has to go to him Look at him going. Like there were two times in particular where I can only relate the kind of anticipation of the rush to someone like Nathan McKinnon. Right. When 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 you're like, holy he's, fuck, he's going. Holy fuck, here comes McKinnon. Look at him go. Like it was exactly like that. He'll it, take I, off like I that. I think he took it from Muzzin. Yeah. He'll take he'll take off like that, and he looped around and then just fucking got going. I know. You know, it was impressive. I understand from a defensive standpoint, though, you look at that and you think about how soft uh, Nylander and Matthews can be in their own end. And then you have a guy who's not very experienced at the NHL level. You could, you know, almost um, call that line even more of a defensive uh, response, um, defensive liability, I should say. But I, I think he at least earned the opportunity to get a look. And we at least know that it, 
he appears to have what it takes to play that side of the game because where he, where he might be a little lost sometimes, and so are his line mates. You know, Matthews and Nylander will get lost just as equally. And Mikheyev has killed some penalties too, though. Yeah. So I like to think that there is some there is some defensive responsibility to his game. Um, I don't think we've seen enough of that lately, but we got to figure he's still still making some adjustments, even though the, the transition appeared to be very seamless from the outset. Yeah, he does well, and I think he'll continue to do well. He's an NHL top six forward, in my opinion. I know it's early and everything, but he's playing really well, and he deserves Now, did he get a look a with shot. Matthews last night? I don't think so, dude. <laughs> is that why everybody I, was bitching on Kapanen? I could be wrong, Because Kapanen played with him for the most part. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Aberg, I thought was invisible. Oh, Aberg, yeah. Yeah, he 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 got a uh, he got demoted. Looks. He got demoted last night. Yeah, he didn't. Play yeah, because I did see a bit of them playing together, and he was just kind of there. I dude, I was confused, man. Like, I, I guess I'm in the minority here, but what game did did Auberg play with Matthews? St. Louis, it, I believe. The St. Louis game. Yeah. No, it couldn't have been, dude. It might have been earlier than that, too. It wasn't because Matthews scored two, and I wouldn't have thought that Aberg was garbage. Matthews didn't score when when Aberg played. Oh, really? Him. It might have been the might have been even been the Vancouver. This is, game. A, this is a bad uh, uh, streak of games for me because of being on holidays, yeah, I didn't true. watch, and <clears throat> true. then traveling, I didn't watch. And but then I remember been kind of traveling this week, so I didn't watch. I remember nearly s- as much as I normally do. I remember saying specifically that Aberg was invisible. And then I, watched, I thought that from what I watched. Then I watched the LFR for Dangle, and he's fucking kissing his balls. I thought Aberg was incredible. I thought Aberg was invisible. How the fuck can we have such difference of opinions? It's weird because I've heard some people say like, "Yeah, this guy's got NHL level skill, but it doesn't does. seem to translate." He does. Well, that happens a lot because you look AHL. at his—he's got great AHL numbers that would. Uh, give you the idea that this guy can contribute at the NHL level. Right. But this is also a lot to ask of a guy who just got called up for the first time all season. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You're going to play first line here with Matthews and Nylander. Off you go. And you just think that's easy, but you know, you're talking about two guys who are very skilled with a lot of chemistry who already feed off each other to be that third guy. I feel like you almost have to play a certain way, almost that Hyman way or yeah. that, that little with a bit of an edge, like Janssen plays, you know, plus or minus a little skill on a guy like him. And hopefully a few less penalties. <laughs> so I, I understand where they're going with the skill aspect of, of, of Aberg, but I don't really understand how this guy comes in and, and is, you know, basically given this first line winger spot when a guy like Mikheyev has, has at least earned the opportunity. And if Aberg can't play in your bottom six, then why are you calling him up? Because I don't think you're calling guys up to play in your first line. Or you shouldn't have to anyway. Yeah. Who has been our best, most consistent goal scorer all season? I guess Matthews. So I would say Johnny T. But he was injured, and that's why I and say... And he had that quiet uh, start, too. That's why I say Johnny T. is Because mostly about... Yeah, sure, he was quiet to begin with. But like, if I'm, if I'm going back and forgetting about his broken finger... It's it's John Tavares. He scores goals for us more than anyone else lately. Okay, lately I know right. we're he's what? he's really heated up lately. Yeah, he's it's heated nice up. to see because he he was pretty quiet and very unnoticeable some games. Where was Hyman when the season began? Right. Where, I guess this is the where, first time him and Marner and Hyman have been together all season. This is what I'm getting at. Right. And I wanted. I, I was hoping that you were going to say Matthews about our goal scorer because if you look at the statistics, it's clearly Matthews and everything. 
But now that that line is back together and John Tavares is scoring at a, I would say, a pretty consistent rate. Like every time I look at the score sheet, I have him in one of my other pools. And John Tavares is getting me some goals, man. And I, I, I just can't help but think that it's Hyman. It has to be. How did Matthews score 40? He played with Hyman 82 times. Hyman never left his wing in his rookie year. Connor Brown and William Nylander rotated, and then they ended up settling on Nylander about halfway through the year. But one guy never left, and it was Zach Hyman. And he created so much offensive space for a skilled player like Matthews to be able to rip 40 Genos. And now, Tavares, Marner, they play with Hyman last year, and they are by far our most effective line at 5-on-5. Five five. By far. Mitch has a career season. John Tavares has a career season a decade later in the NHL. <laughs> it's Hyman, let's go. And it's not I just want... Hyman. No, but I he's know. A huge, I know. No, no, I know. He's but a huge it's just part, part of it, and I think... It's just part of my point. I think it's... I think he's getting his dues this year as opposed to previous years where people are like, why is this guy playing top six? Why yeah. is he playing top six? He might, you might be right. Or some people might be right in saying that he probably is better suited to a bottom six role. But if, if it works this well with two highly skilled players, I mean, you do need that puck recovery guy and, and the amount of puck battles that guy wins and how relentless he is in the corners. And he draws incredible. penalties. And yeah, he draws a ton of penalties. He, he gets draws. under, he gets under opponent's skin, which at least don't have a lot of that, but it's also, fuck, just they th- need one for every line. He, yeah, it's true. But he'll be, he'll he'll force a guy to beat him twice on a zone exit. You fucking get around him, you go behind the net, and then you look up and he's there again. And you've got to get behind him or around him again. And there's just so many times that an easy breakout is not so easy because of the way that Zach Hyman will continue to hound that fucking puck. And then you give your star players a little more leniency to be able to quote-unquote, float in the high slot area and have a puck go off of Hyman's shin pad or skate or something right to Matthews, and he would just shoot it in. And that's what we saw for, like, the first two years of their careers together. Mm-hmm. We saw all this goal scoring. I wonder if it made him a little lazy, too, just in that when they – now that they He did all the work? Him, yeah, he does all the work. Like, Matthews and Neil are looking at each other like, you go in the corner and get this puck? No. No. No, who's going to do it? Jaime. Well, yeah, uh, Janssen, I guess. He's like 20 steps behind us, but we'll let him catch up and it's true. get in that, there. That's actually not a terrible point, no, they, man. They're, for, they're forechecking. It's, it's not a terrible it's point. very, very quiet, to the, say the, the least. The, the entire reason that I'm going down this road, and I have gone down it several times in the past, so I apologize. But the reason why I'm going down this road, let's go, is I put it in the prep here. We need to get Matthews, we need to get Matthews going into beast mode. We need to get Matthews... Pulling a Jack Eichel. You know why what? is Jack Eichel running yeah, away with the league? I don't think I don't think the onus is on anyone else but Matthews right now. Okay, I agree. Like the, the I agree. Fully. The coach is gone. Yeah, you've been given the the green light, so to speak, to to do what you need to do out there. We need to see it consistently. And you know what? He's having you know, like I know what you mean by beast mode, where he's like dominant every single game and every single shift. Statistically satisfied. I mean, you can't argue with what. It, the results that he's putting up, right? But I get what you mean about how you take a look at a guy like Eichel was on like, what, a fucking 15-game 15, 15 tear. Yeah, exactly. Who's basically keeping the Sabres in playoff contention on his own right now. 27 points or something Now, I know like Matthews that. doesn't have to carry the team on his back, but I sure would love to see it. 
or love to see him step up big in a game like last night and say, you know what, fuck this, I'm I'm gonna score putting some. Up a, I'm putting up a two spot here. He hit the but, post. Yeah, but it was on. A, o- but but it was on a five on. He's three. always there. He's always there. But right? I don't want to just rely on Matthews to give us some results on the power play, man. Matthews can take over games, and I'm not seeing it anymore, and I'm really disappointed about it, man. Like I don't know what needs to happen, but this guy. If he can't get himself motivated into taking over fucking hockey games, then we're in trouble. And we got a lot of talent on this team, and Matthews is doing well. And I don't mean to shit on this guy, but let's go. I think it's been too— You just want to see that extra gear. I think it's been way too long since I saw the extra gear. Because we've always kind of figured maybe he'd get lumped into, you know, best players in the league type conversation. But I—and I'm not sure why— and it might go back to exactly what you're saying is that I haven't seen him be as dominant as we know he's capable of being. And it's it's funny with those guys who who are so good and effortlessly good. Um, sometimes I think when you watch players like that, you, it looks like they're not trying that hard. And you really can't tell if yeah. they are or not. Well, and a lot of those players that go on those streaks, Lesko, they'll say, well, you know... It, it, a lot of it is luck. Uh, the, the puck seems to find me. And that happens a lot. Yeah. People say that. Well, when you're really going, the puck will find you. But yeah. you know what, Lesko? You have to be going yeah. for it to find That's you. That's right. I, I definitely, um, like, I'm not going to harp on Matthews too hard just because I think that, you know, I, I get what you're saying. There's He's leaving a little bit to be de- desired. I want more. Um, we, we obviously can't complain with the output. But most of my complaints with Matthews is the is is his coasting on defense and his him getting lost in his own zone and puck watching and you know I've made that point several times so we'll just leave it on that and wrap this shit show up. Are we wrapping it up? Yeah, I think so. That where are you? This is a short one again, right? I don't think so. Uh, bro. Hour and a half short one. One forty five. Holy fuck! I guess we're back. We're back together, right? So we had to. We had that 10-minute golf tangent, too, so... Back at the front. Yeah, but it's good to talk about other shit. Yeah, throw it and mix it up. You sat down in the fucking stool, and you were like, all right, business, here we go. We got coaches fired. We want to talk about all this hockey stuff. And I'm like... Well, I figured trying... I want to talk about these mugs and my mustache. A little bit. The mustache was a good deviation. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, it's been a great, great episode here of the Pucks and D Podcast. Episode 49. That's right. Next episode... 50 bells, baby. 50 episodes for the Pucks and D podcast. We got mugs. We got facial hair. It's a great time. Thanks for tuning in. Next week, we're hoping to bring on Mark Vanderlucht. If he's listening, he better clear his schedule. Clear your goddamn schedule, Mark. He had some really important exams like and projects. Just serving up guests without fucking telling conf- them, confirming them. This is <laughs> such bad fucking podcasting. Hey, Mark, you're on. Get ready. Oh, my God. The good news is that we can record it at any time right so we're, we can we're flexible we're flexible it is a podcast we have the ability to edit and delete which we don't normally do this is normally a unedited unscripted beauty podcast thanks for tuning in see you next week